Welcome to This Much Love, a recurring positivity podcast with Katie Harth and Keenan Schneider. Episode 5, I'm Not a Clementine. One thing I really like about this water bottle yeah, is how cold the water is. Like, it stays really cold. Yeah, it's a really nicely insulated bottle. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I got that mm. water bottle because of a tour that I did for the Schuler Scholar program. They are um It's Schuler, not Skylar. Yeah, it's oh, Schuler. Oh yeah, it's Schuler. It's Schuler. Yeah, sorry, I thought there was a Y. I know, I know. When I like when I heard them saying Schuler, I was just like, Are you sure that that's how it's said? Yeah. You know, the people who work for that organization. Yeah. Um We're yeah. also influenced by Hamilton now. We are. We are very much. And I actually um I went to college um my first I think four years of college were with oh, a woman named Skylar, spelled that way, like yeah. the Skylar sisters. And yeah. she, that's, she was named after them, if I recall correctly. Interesting. Yeah. Pre-Hamilton. Pre-Ham- well, I mean, post-Hamilton, historically speaking. Well, okay, yeah. But, but pre like the pre musical. the important Hamilton. Oh, my gosh. It's historical. You can't say that one Hamilton is more important than another. But let's be fair. He established say- the Federal Reserve. Okay. But did you know that before the show Hamilton? Yes, I did because of mm. Drunk History with Michael Sarah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So and my dad is an avid historian. But what you're saying is that cultural my- milestones have had to like inform you about this person. It's not just kind of like, oh, Alexander Hamilton by himself. Which I think we can blame himself. on the poor uh, public <laughs> education system in these United States. So it's not really my fault. I didn't say it was your fault. I'm just saying it's like he's maybe in like historical context, not as. Oh, I think he's incredibly important. It's just people don't talk about him. Yeah. And that was part of what. But now we do. Yes. After a biography that was written that Lin-Manuel Miranda read and enjoyed. And he could not believe that there was no real coverage or like general societal knowledge. About this person who was so influential and so important in how we established our government. Um, yeah. I, I really want you to just drop a couple lines of Hamilton right now. Why? Because I haven't done it in so long. Yeah, but you're so good at it, though. And it it's funny. It's funny how good I am at it? Well, it's entertaining. <laughs> We can we can do that during an episode when you ask me how much I love singing or opera or musicals or something. How much do you like singing or operas or musicals or it's something? It's not your turn to ask a question I first. No, I'm pretty and sure. And that also feels like a really shit question. Yeah. Uh, how much do you like singing or mm-hmm. operas or musicals or something? How much do you love singing Hamilton while we're recording right now? I don't. You can't answer it with a no. <laughs> Isn't this That's not the spirit of the show? You have the, to it's yes well, and. Well, okay, so this is a positivity podcast, <laughs> but that does not mean that it's manufactured positivity or that it's false positivity. I think that that would be that would be bad. I think it would behoove us to be honest. Okay. Well, it's your turn to ask a question, so I will keep this one in my back pocket. Good for you. And just let everybody know yeah. as a little tease that you're a a Hamilton fan or a a fan Molten. Yeah, just give me some like, give me like two days notice when you might ask that question so that I can prepare myself. No, you, that's not fair. Yes, it is. To be able to drop some verses in Hamilton, yeah, that's absolutely Mm -hmm. fair. That takes require, that takes like preparation to, you know, honor the work that was done in order to make that such a successful musical. I don't know. I think just based on my experience with you, living in our home that you just kind of like drop music all the time <laughs> just randomly yeah but that's not no... that's like in the privacy of our own home that's yeah. not like for others to consume but that's authentic uh... alexander hamilton okay if you want to sing alexander hamilton alexander hamilton there's a million things I haven't done. Just you wait. Just you wait. Go. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Um, no. 
Um, What's your question? <laughs> oh, man, we're getting started on like a real good foot here. You're feeling real good after our, our Soul Cycle class. Mm-hmm. I think uh, if we mentioned that we went to Soul Cycle before every single class, people <laughs> before are just every go- single class or before every single time we record, uh, I think people are going to start throwing their phones on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> that would be bad for the economy. No, it'd be really good for the economy oh. because they have to go That'd spend be really more money bad for our listenership. Yeah, and their personal economy. Fair enough. I just want to temper people's expectations that like. I feel like this is a heightened version of you because you are high on endorphins. Wait, what do you mean heightened heightened version of me? Well, like you're the one who's like, I want to do Soul Cycle before we record as much as humanly possible because it makes me feel really good and I just feel good all day. Like that's like you have that reaction because of the endorphins. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes for an enjoyable. Right. And so I'm just saying if people run into you in, in the wild, that if like you haven't just come back from a soul cycle class, that this might not be how you are. That I'm an asshole? No, I'm just the no. Worst? No, I just think you're a little mellower. I tend to be, yeah, I tend to be a little laid back. But this is also my podcast persona. Fair enough. Like That's true. I'm flipping that switch on. Yeah, you're very performative. Boop, boop, boop. That switch just got flipped on three times. On, off, on. So technically on. Boop, 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 boop. So it's definitely your turn. It is my turn. And you've teased this, and I'm very curious. I've teased it? Well, a little bit. You've, you seem like you're excited to talk about this one. Yeah, definitely. I think okay. this is something um, that I certainly have experienced in my years of knowing you. It's something that you're very passionate about mm-hmm. um, and something that frequently occupies like your attention um, and you know, a good chunk of your time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's another thing that I think makes you an interestingly creative person because with the popularity of Instagram has come like a lot of people's, like has unleashed this love of photography or like the amateur photographer. Mm-hmm. But I think that your love of photography predates the popularity of Instagram, certainly. Totally. Um, and you have a very particular focus. And I know that there's kind of a lot of backstory and history here. So my question for you, Keenan, is how much do you love photography? I think just first and foremost, photography has been one of those parts of my life that has followed me through various stages mm-hmm. uh and it's only become more prevalent in my day-to-day experience now that we have phones that have such capable cameras right especially for certain types of photography i absolutely adore photography it's one of my favorite things um it's one of the ways that i feel like i i define myself mm-hmm. you know it's usually like writer, podcaster, photographer, Mm -hmm. and depending on the medium, sometimes something like gamer or something Mm -hmm. like photography is always there. It's a central part of who I am um, and how I experience the world. I'm not even entirely sure where to start with this, but I think one of the things that is interesting for us is that you are somebody who's very detail oriented. Mm -hmm. Like you will frequently point things out or I will frequently point things out to you when we're walking around and I'll say like, oh, hey, there's a trash can right there. And you'll go, I know that trash can has been there forever. (laughs) And this is somehow just the first time that I'm discovering it. Mm -hmm. And we're both very detail oriented in different ways. And you seem to be more environmentally oriented, like detail oriented. Sure. And I'm more like, I would say, like, creatively detail-oriented. Mm-hmm, definitely. When I'm walking around, I'm so rarely paying attention to, like, just the stuff that's at my level, and I'm focusing so much on sort of, like, the greater surrounding, and mm-hmm. I'm looking at things like, like, I, I feel like I'm just kind of, like, naturally processing lighting and mm. um, and angles, and uh, so, like, to 
put a little bit more context into this because I feel like I'm going to ramble off in a weird direction. Um, most of my photography now focuses on uh, architecture. Yeah. And we live in a great city for it. Chicago it has a wonderful skyline with some incredible architecture mm-hmm. um, and a lot of variety in uh, building styles. And so it, it's a very photogenic city. And I find myself more than, often than not just looking up and kind mm-hmm. of focusing on how the sunlight is beaming down on a particular section of a building and how like in my mind, how that would look in very high contrast, um, black and white. Because the vast majority of my photography is also black and white. Yeah, I've always been very obsessed with one black and white photography, but even if it's not black and white, very harsh light and dark um, contrast. So a lot of playing with shadows and seeing how I can look at something in more abstract ways. Um, I remember having a friend tell me once about my my architecture photography that so much of it feels like it's it's not about um, the building that I'm taking a photograph of. It's more that I'm focused on the abstract shape and playing with the, the white space um, and mm-hmm. how that's framed. And it's not necessarily about the the architecture itself. I th- and I think that's true. I think like buildings are a really great way to find those interesting differences uh, between light and dark because there's typically so so much harshness in the in the way that buildings are constructed. Like mm-hmm. there's and there's the lines. Yeah, mm-hmm. is I mean they're very geometric, and so it's it's this very cool. Um, juxtaposition and i don't know like especially like buildings that i think like otherwise when i'm just looking at them i think that they are pretty ugly mm-hmm. uh, there are a couple there's buildings nothing like specifically attractive about them right it's sort of like the 60s 70s like cookie cutter steel mm-hmm. like black steel or like red steel <laughs> like right. monstrosities that were constructed and when you just look at them they're very boring and i like finding the instances where they're interesting. Yeah. And I think something about your photography that always stands out to me too is that you don't, you always take them from the street level. Yeah. That like you don't go climbing up to the top of a parking garage to shoot down or across. Right. It's always up. Yep. Yeah. I I think that's because I am a big fan of the negative space. I want to use the building to carve a chunk out of the sky mm-hmm. rather than see like appreciate the building and like where it stands in the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, it if I wanted to like as my friend told me, like it feels like it's it could be anywhere. It's out of place. It's there's no context for the surrounding. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what's interesting to me. And I've done in the past, like I used to photograph a lot of like sunsets and landscape and this was back in like high school mm-hmm. my first camera was this sort of like kodak point and shoot like mm-hmm. standalone camera that had its own little like dock that you'd place it in and it had like a little printer uh attached to it so it would print like little three by five or something uh just off the dock itself and i never really did that aspect i always liked viewing them digitally and this was at a point where the internet was becoming just good enough to where it could host, like there would be sites that would host this stuff. And so like I'd po- post stuff on like DeviantArt mm-hmm. um, and just post a lot of my photography there. And I was obsessed for a while with capturing sunsets. Um, and I lived at that point out in the country. And so a lot of the sunsets would be, the juxtaposition with the sun would be corn. Mm-hmm. Um, and trying to find how, that sun comes through and creates those silhouettes uh, yeah. of the corn stalks. That was always something I really enjoyed. And then I got a, a significantly better camera when I was in college. It was a, a Canon Digital Rebel. Um, I think it was the XTI or something like that. But I had the stock lens on that, which was fine. But the camera for me really opened up when I got the 50 millimeter prime lens. 
because that was so good for portraits. And so for a little while, I was really focused on doing portraits and mm. either self-portraits or, you know, portraits of my friends or uh, my girlfriend at the time. Like, but I was mostly interested in how we can get as harsh lighting as possible and create some really interesting shadows. Like those are always my favorites mm-hmm. then. Um, just straight up portrait photography was fine. But what I was mostly interested in was figuring out how I could create something that like almost obscures or shifts how we see people. Mm-hmm. Um, and were they ever like um, relationship oriented, like multiple people or was it always like a single person? It was typically just a single person. Hmm. Um, in harsh lighting. Yeah. And that was not. Yeah, I actually like. I hate group photography. Mm-hmm. I know, like this is this should be you know sort of framed from a person. Uh, uh, this is your personal preference, right? Right? Yeah. I don't want to like shit on somebody. Like if somebody they like likes to do group photography or is or a like photographer. cultural photography and they like just go out in the street. And- totally. Mm-hmm. That's just not my my sort of. That's not the way that I look at things. That's not like how I want to creatively express mm-hmm. myself. And so, what's interesting to me are like when I do portraits, like. One, I I really want them to be as candid as possible. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of like things that are posed, mm-hmm. and it, so it has to feel very authentic and natural. I think that's one thing that I really like about architecture is that like the moments when I'm inspired to take a photo is typically because I look up and see something that looks interesting, mm-hmm. rather than me specifically going out and saying like I'm going to take 50 pictures today. Right. You don't go hunting. Typically not. And so it's something that feels very like just organic. It's just like mm-hmm. a really like organic, natural way of uh, expressing myself where I see something that looks interesting that I feel I could capture and and make it um, different, like make it like make it stand out in a in a way that we otherwise wouldn't see, which I really like. So how. It's interesting to me, like it, the way that you're framing it, it yeah. almost feels like photography, you like photography stumbled into your life. Like there wasn't inspiration or a particular person who whose style you admired, like the way that you're describing it right now. Yeah. Makes it feel like and then it just happened one day. Yep. Um, I think you say that's, that accurate. that's accurate. Yeah, totally. Hmm. It was something that like my dad always took photos. Uh, when we were kids like we'd go on vacation and he had this little camera Um, I don't even know what kind of camera it was but it was like it wasn't like it wasn't like he would take like the disposable cameras he had a nice camera Uh, I don't know if it had like a removable lens I want to say it probably did but there would be times where I'd like really like like I remember as a kid looking through the viewfinder and really enjoying like adjusting the focus and playing with that and like taking some snapshots but i was mm-hmm. a kid and i didn't know really what i was doing but that was really my exposure to photography Interesting. it was my dad and he really did not he took more snapshots than mm-hmm. anything they were just like capturing the moment like scrapbook yeah, material. like here we're at Disney World, and usually, like the weird thing was, is that my dad like would typically take the shots, like he would stop walking and take the shots as we were walking away. And so there was all, like the kind of the running gag when we were growing up was that like dad would always just take pictures of our butts, like it was just like hmm. it was our backs were always turned, just kind of walking away, and it was just like so he wasn't like trying to capture us as a in a group setting mm-hmm. you know there weren't those a lot of those posed like family shots or something mm-hmm. like stop and smile for the camera yeah exactly um it was definitely a lot more of just kind of like he decided to take a shot of us while we were just naturally walking through the the park but they were never they always just felt kind of like okay i'm going to take a picture now it never felt like there was a, a composition uh, aspect mm-hmm. to it and so for the longest time i felt like Oh, like I'm kind of like my dad, like he liked taking photos, Mm -hmm. but he didn't like he didn't take photos like I like to take photos. And so I was never really sure where that came from. And so for the longest time, I felt like it did really just stumble into my life. It was just something that I was drawn to. There wasn't a particular artist or style or anything like that that I really appreciated. And I 
I think that's generally true today. Yeah. Like I love looking at beautiful photos and I my Instagram is for the most part I follow people who I think take really interesting beautiful photos but mm-hmm. it never feels like I, I it feels like I'm just kind of consuming those. There yeah. there's never a draw to kind of like mimic or do that. I'm always just kind mm-hmm. of like okay, well I'm going to or take inspiration from. Exactly. And so I for the longest time through like high school and most of college when I would take photos just did what I thought felt right. Mm-hmm. Like I went basically on instinct. I never took really photography classes or anything like that. But then at a certain point um I started to get to know my grandpa a little bit better. And he was somebody who I didn't realize until you know, sometime during college for me it was uh, after my grandma died and he started to open up a little bit more. And my mom and my aunt would tell me about like, oh, Pa was uh, a, f- a photographer in the army. Mm, so this was your your mother's father. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I found out that he was a photographer in the army and he wasn't just like an army photographer. Like when I saw his photos from there, there was a lot of thought put into them. like a lot of composition, a lot of perspective, uh, not just sort of the casual, oh, I'm just going to snap a photo. Like these were considered and they weren't posed for the most part. I, there was a, a photo of him that was a self-portrait that I always really liked. And that was about his pose. Like there weren't like group shots. It was nature. It was, it was objects in the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, it was um, like cityscapes. And then just I think probably just technologically, uh, most of his stuff was in black and white. Like I think it was more mm-hmm. of a technical limitation. Where was he based? Do you know? Uh, Alaska, I think. I hmm. think, yeah, because one of his photos uh, that I remember was like downtown Juneau. Interesting. Um, so I think he was at a base in in Alaska, and looking at those photos, I think was eye opening to me mm-hmm. because my mom like brought up one time like. Because I, w- I was taking more and more photos, I got a nice camera, and so like I was being a little bit more prolific at that point. And my mom encouraged me to talk to Pa about this mm-hmm. because she's like, "Oh, Pa was a photographer. Like he has a, a camera collection, and turns out that like he had a bunch of these old cameras that he would sometimes like take out and clean and um, not necessarily restore, but like keep them in in decent shape." I remember like he he was diagnosed with cancer at one point and that was like that was when we like I think I got to know him better because it was almost like a necessity like things don't look good like we might as well like get like like spend as much quality time as possible and so I got to know him quite a bit uh, and see his camera collection and like show him my camera, which he was really intrigued by. And it was all digital at this point, which he just didn't get, but was really mm-hmm. impressed by like the the hardware. And I uh, I realized at that point that that eye that I had, that sort of focus on photography, didn't really come from my dad. Mm-hmm. It seemed. It seemed like I got the more artistic vision from my grandpa. And so it like stumbled its way into my life, but it, I think it was because there were already roots there. Interesting. Hmm. It's so fascinating to me, this idea that, it, and it makes complete sense, but it's interesting to me that a capability or um, an affinity for a particular kind of like creative style that involves like an instrument Mm -hmm. would be genetic yeah that's like you know but it makes sense because it's your eye and it's your thought process and it's you know your creative drive yeah um and you just happen to be using a camera right yeah and i think like there was such an emphasis on him uh or for him on the same type of like this sounds like a dumb thing to say that like focusing on like light and shadows because that's photography but that's visual art yeah yeah, like but at the same time like i think there's still a a style there um Mm -hmm. like a stylistic choice of like how harsh you know what um what sort of 
abstract shapes are are uh, are the light and shadows making mm-hmm. um, that I could see a similarity there um, in our our styles. Uh, but yeah, so I I love photography. It's something that it it feels like such a natural way to express myself. Mm-hmm. Um, it is something that you brought up Instagram and like I. I'm on Instagram mainly to look at pretty photos and share pretty mm-hmm. photos. Yeah, I would <laughs> like, say that you probably are like the snobbiest Instagram person I know in terms of like <laughs> how you qualify the people you follow. Yeah. Like it is very rare that you follow anyone who's kind of just like sharing their life. Yeah. Um, casually. Yeah. That it's like really a very serious artistic medium for you. Yeah. Um, and that like you will frequently like follow and unfollow people if they are not like satiating your creative needs. Totally. Um, I find that very interesting. Yeah. And it's not it's not a judgment on Mm-mm. them. It's like it's just I feel like if I wanted to hear or see bits of people's lives, like that could be Facebook. That could be twitter like Mm -hmm. and even then i feel like i'm kind of selective on twitter as well i feel like my different social networks tend to like fall in different realms like for twitter i want people who are posting like interesting things like whether it's news or people who are funny and have like interesting commentary Mm -hmm. um twitter i feel like i'm a little bit more flexible as well Mm -hmm. as far as like because it's like a conversational medium too Mm -hmm. so i'll typically i'll typically flex a little bit there it's interesting to me that you can't that like for you, photography is not conversational, that that's the implication. Yeah, I don't think so. Not mm-hmm. it's it's very much like it feels like uh, the, the way that I look at photography, like I use it as a way to like kind of just say s- something and like like put my opinion out there without opinions coming back at it. Mm. You know, it doesn't feel like a, a two way conversation. It's a, not, exactly. Yeah. It's a it's a statement, not uh not a conversation. And I've tried other um I've tried other photo sharing services. Like I, I like I mentioned I was on DeviantArt for a while, but then, you know, I grew up. Uh <laughs> <laughs> but then like I tried to be on Flickr for a while, but I felt like Flickr was I think there's a little bit too much friction. The thing I really love about Instagram is that I can post things pretty effortlessly in a way that I want to share them. I don't need to put in extra details. I don't necessarily want to put in descriptions or anything like that. Like I don't, I rarely title my photos. Oh, but you hashtag the crap out of them. Yeah, but those are, that's, that's purely functional. Um, yeah. and so it's not like I have a script basically. Like I have a, a keyboard autocomplete. Mm-hmm. thing that uh just puts the tags that i want on there mm-hmm. that's just so people can discover them so they're they're not titled they're not described typically i just i feel like instagram is probably like the best like frictionless way uh to get that out there because i'm typically just taking photos on my phone anyway mm-hmm. um there was a point where i really liked having my cameras and i i kind of miss having a dedicated camera but I recognize that I didn't use it nearly as much as my phone anyway. And as the phone cameras have gotten better, it completely, uh, like, it, they do exactly what I want them to do. Right. It allows me to capture these photos that I think are interesting to look at. Um, at a decent resolution quality. Exactly. Like, the, the sensors are good enough uh, for the types of photos that I take. Mm-hmm. If I was doing more portraits, if I was doing like low light photography, things like that. I would mm-hmm. want to get something that was a little bit more substantial and that was capable. Right. But that's not what I do. But yeah, it's it's a really nice way to expose how I see the world. Yeah. So when you started, you said you mentioned sunsets and then you worked then you moved to portraits. Mm-hmm. When did architecture become the focus? Well, I want to say it was not long after I got my first iPhone. But even then, I feel like there was still like if you look at my Insta- my early Instagram feed, there was still a lot of like taking photos of this of like general city life, a lot of photos on the train. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really know what it was about 
architecture or where that shift happened, it was definitely within the last, you know, five or more years. Like it wouldn't have happened if I didn't move to the city. Like, mm-hmm. like I can't imagine uh, going and taking photos of like the houses in Shabana, Illinois, like that mm-hmm. wouldn't have been interesting. Um, but I don't know that I have a great answer for that. Mm. It's just something that like one day, I don't even know if it's a single day. Like at, at a certain point though, I recognize that like the way I could kind of paint with shapes uh, became a huge draw for me. Yeah. I wish there was something a little bit more like, oh, there was this one particular building. And then from that point on, I all, I never took a, a photo of a tree again. Like, and that's not even true. Like every once in a while, I'll take photos of trees and flowers and mm-hmm. people are thrown off because they're in color, you know, <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So that brings me to another question I have, which is why black and white? You are a person who is so drawn to bright colors mm-hmm. like those things that you notice and that you love your favorite color is orange like yeah there are those those highlights and aspects of you that i find very colorful so why why is it that when you want to share creatively pretty much in any medium if it's writing or if it's photography why black and white i don't know that i have an answer for that it just looks good it's yeah it's just i think especially when it comes to like architecture for me like what's interesting there is how i can look at the sun hitting a building Mm -hmm. and know what it's going to look like in black and white Mm. i don't care about the color of the building and in fact like there are often times where especially on like a day that's like crystal clear bright blue sky I love knowing that when I put that, uh, when I like take that and, and make it black and white, I'm going to get like this really beautiful black background. And so I look for the contrast between the the building and the sky. Like that's, I think, uh, I think that's what makes it most interesting. I could take the, so we should probably put this photo in the the show notes, but there's a, there's a building outside of this theater that we go to um, in Chicago off of Roosevelt Road. And one day we were walking back and it was a completely clear day. The sky was this rich, beautiful blue. And this building is largely like it's largely glass. And then the the paneling, like the structure on the side of it is white. Mm-hmm. And the sun was beaming down. It was like midday or like early afternoon. So there was great lighting. And I knew that like if I had taken that photo and just kind of like posted it as is, I probably would have had like, the the focus would have been the sky at that point. I mm-hmm. think the focus would have been like, ooh, popping blue, like this beautiful blue color. But what was interesting to me was how that white was going to look against the sky. And I think it would have gotten a little muddled if it was white against the, the blue. Mm-hmm. But you up the contrast a little bit, you put it through that black and white filter, and all of a sudden that's, that blue turns like just deep black Mm -hmm. and so there's this just beautiful i'm gonna say it again juxtaposition between the the sky and then just this immediate harsh cutoff and the white that just jumps out out and so like so much of the architecture um, photography that i do focuses on how those lines get created those shapes are created um and i think they always look best in black and white i don't think you capture the same sort of interesting dichotomy in color definitely so you talk a lot about like you know architectural photography um and how this is such a beautiful city and there is also an aspect of you i know that longs to leave the city totally um to go back to the country. Yeah. Do you think that your photographic life would be as enriching if we left? Um, I don't know. Would you miss that? Probably. Yeah, I think like I love taking pictures of the buildings. Um, but like as we've seen, you know, we drove out to Montana and Canada and I had a really nice time taking photos of the mountains and the trees. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the my favorite photos I've taken is the one of you sitting on the cliff 
mm-hmm. from a distance and you could just barely kind of see you there. One, because like the sensor on the iPhone can only process so much, um, but you can kind of just like see you sitting on this vast, like over this vast canyon and in the background, just like mountains and trees. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think like even that would be be interesting if it was just like sort of flat. Um, Prairie. Prairie. Yeah. Like if we moved out into like the middle of bumfuck Illinois, like, oh, God. like that would be a little bit worse. Um, but at the same time, like something that I always like doing with photography is taking these very like harsh abstract positions from like where I'm standing. So like in the city, it's easy to look up and just go, this building's creating a really cool angle right now. I'm going to take this. Yeah. When I lived out in the country, it would be like, okay, like how can I get this cool close-up shot of uh, corn or the Mm -hmm. landscape and look at that in an interesting way? Or like I remember there were times um, with my uh, with my old Kodak camera that I would like go on a country road and like just lie down on my stomach and try and take a photo, uh, like get sort of this focused shot of the road with the landscape or like the the uh, vanishing point the horizon Mm. in the distance Mm -hmm. and so maybe that's it maybe photography ultimately for me is like looking at the world in a different way where like i can get these perspectives that like a lot of times we're just kind of like walking around and just seeing stuff presented at the level that we're looking at at eye level yeah yeah but like but like just kind of taking it in that way Mm mm-hmm and for me, like when I the stuff that interests me the most with photography is how is how I can take the angle and make that thing that otherwise looks, looks mundane and normal and shift the perspective on it to make it mm-hmm. look interesting. Yeah, reframe it. Yeah, literally. Yeah, I mean, the building that I take photos of more than anything, I feel is like. The Dirksen Courthouse downtown mm-hmm. Chicago. Yeah, I probably have dozens of photos on my Instagram feed of that building and the building across the street, but always with different angles, different times of day. And I think that each one is like unique and interesting. I also think it's really interesting to me how um, your creative endeavors in general tend to be economically sustainable. Yeah, that like you. It has like low overhead. And I really admire that about you that like you're able to find these like things that really create like fulfill you creatively that don't require that like are Mm self-taught generally speaking. And you're still able to find your own unique perspective. I think that's very unique. That approach is unique as well. Yeah. And it's so interesting to me that this is something that feels like it has like genetic ties for you is that something that you think is special about this in particular yeah i think so i'm Mm -hmm. trying to think of anything else that i do like i don't know anybody else in my family that is a particularly like is particularly focused on writing Mm -hmm. aside from maybe my sister yeah but even then like i think we have like she's a great writer but we have very different focuses in very different styles Mm -hmm. if it comes to like expressing myself creatively through voice i don't know anybody else who does that and that's a part of that's genetic like because i have a voice that i feel sounds good it's like one of the few things that i really feel confident about in myself and so but but like if i'm thinking like podcasts or theater or anything like that i can't think of anybody else in my family who's really done that yeah or like wanted to be vocally creative yeah Mm -hmm. yeah or performatively creative yeah totally in that way yeah again my sister like wanted to be in films growing up oh yeah yeah i didn't know that or wanted to be a i think she wanted to be a, a singer or something but that didn't really like it it's not something that I think uh, was enough of a, a drive for her. There mm. were I mean, plenty of circumstances as to you know, like why that didn't work out. But um, yeah, she's the only other person that I can think of. Who's like particularly creative. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's also something about our generation in general. 
Um, yeah, that, that might like, be it. Our parental generation tends to be tends to be a little bit more supportive of creativity, mm-hmm. um, pursuing creativity, encouraging support, and supporting creativity. Yeah. Um, so that's not necessarily surprising to me that there was love and desire there. Totally. Um, my dad's uh, a really good artist. Yeah. Um, yeah, he would like he would tend to draw things like the things that's like he would sketch a lot, but I think the things that jumped out at me the most was he would actually try and like just not having any formal education in this designing his own baseball parks because mm-hmm. he was obsessed with baseball, uh, loved architecture. Um, and so he would design baseball parks. He would uh, design floor plans, which is something that I would do as a kid. Hmm. Um, like I would, I was really into like getting graph paper and drawing out floor plans, uh, floor plans for like my dream house or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, and then my mom was a really good. Um, uh, she drew like cute cartoons and stuff like that. Hmm. Um, so that was kind of that outlet. I'm trying to think of if they did anything else though. I think they they've my mom especially encouraged that a lot more in me and my sister. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. Anything. Yeah, my parents were the same with me and my sister as well. Yeah. It strikes me as fascinating that this is something that this love of architectural photography even if the specifics or the specific skill set was not from your father that they do have clear lines to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was always he always loved architecture mm-hmm. and loved coming into the city. Actually, so much so that there were issues with like he would drive into the city and pay more attention to the buildings than driving. And that was always something that drove us nuts. We're just kind of like, okay, like mom has to drive now. If you're going to look at the the fucking buildings, like (laughs) mom has to drive because he would, he would just get lost, like staring at these buildings that we would drive past and just like, Mm -hmm. keep your eyes on the road. But he was always very into that. Um, I wouldn't say that you, your, your uh, fondness or um, the way that you're drawn to buildings is as dangerous as that sounds like it was. No. But we frequently will be just walking down the street and you'll say, I'm sorry, I have to take a picture of this. Yeah. Like it's like urgent. Yeah. Um, I don't know. And it's like I don't have a lot of insight into who your father is. Yeah. Um, but I do find it interesting that that's something that connects you. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I've never really thought about it. It's, really? Yeah. That's weird. Like it's weird. Like I'm kind of drawing that parallel for the first time right this second. So I'm I'm just processing. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, like, and it's it's so funny to me because like those are things that you've brought up to me before. Mm-hmm. Your father being drawn to architecture, your father loving to take photos, your father designing baseball stadiums. And while maybe you're not designing baseball stadiums you do have a love for that visual medium for architecture, for design, mm-hmm. for photography. Yeah. It feels very clear to me. Hmm. It just, it, I think for me, it just, uh, like I can see that at a high level, but mm-hmm. I think the output was so different for, for me. Um, the way that we output Mm-hmm. is so different that it just doesn't it, like it didn't feel like there was the same connection like i didn't draw that same connection yeah, it's a general thing it's not specific right and so i think but i think that's where i'm i'm struggling where it's like oh yeah of course like you are both doing this this thing which is even in its own it, way specific right exactly right? you know like it's a specific focus but the specifics of the generation of the product of that focus are different. It, yeah, it feels very um, familial and familiar in that way mm. to me. And that you're definitely your own person. Um, but I find it fascinating that you feel more 
drawn to connect you and your grandfather than you are you and your father? Yeah, I think that's more a, a stylistic thing. Yeah. Like, I think the, the photos that my grandpa ta- took were things that I felt like I aligned with more. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's it's fascinating and it makes a lot of sense to me that you've got it coming from both sides, you yeah. know, genetically speaking. Yeah. And also just um, nurture, the nurture aspect of it. Yeah. Um, that is both nurture and nature. I mean, you are so connected to it that it's one of, it's a, like you refer to it in one of your two tattoos. Photography. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think, well, and I think like more than anything, this, I have a tattoo on my right bicep that says a thousand words. Um, and I got that not too long after my grandpa passed away. And I think it was mostly, it's mostly a tribute to him mm-hmm. and how we connected through photography. Um, and just, you know, the old saying that a picture is worth a thousand words. Um, and I think it was also a little bit more in the abstract. Like, I think there was a lot of like guilt on my part when he passed away mm. of like not getting more time with him. Like when we grew up, I don't want to put a whole, a whole huge downer on the, the episode, but like when, when we were growing up, my grandma was the nurturer and the entertainer and so when she was still alive um we would go over and it would be like oh like we were always excited to see grammy Mm -hmm. like she was the definite draw and pa would sit on the chair and fall asleep to john wayne movies Mm -hmm. so i didn't get a lot from him growing up Mm -hmm. Um, which is not your fault as a child totally no but like it was also one of those things that like once my grandma passed away and my grandpa started to come out of his shell a little bit mm-hmm. and I got to know him more. There were so many things, especially around photography that like I wanted to talk with him about and learn more about and, and connect with him on. Um, and like, I really liked him as a person. Mm-hmm. And so I think like, this is not only a tribute to him and the way that we connected through photography, but also like sort of, a uh, an abstract statement of me saying like, there are so many more things that I wish I could have said mm. there. And it's so like my, the, it, it ends with a, uh, an ellipses. Mm-hmm. And so it's a thousand words and it feels like it just kind of like trails off. And so there are, there's a lot of, for me, like layers underneath of like what didn't get said. Like unfinished business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you still feel connected to him through the photography that you do today? Um, that's a really hard question because it's been so long, like since he died, he died, um, in 2005, 2006, like, so it's been like 12 years. Yeah. And so I think that that time and that distance for me makes it really difficult to feel any particular connection anymore. Mm. Like I always like I still love my grandparents and like have some memories but like I'm not a nostalgic person. Mhm. And I also have this tendency with people in general that like if I don't see you or hear from you for a while out of sight out of mind yeah like i kind of just like my life continues on and Mm -hmm. it's not like i don't it should yeah but it's like it's not like i don't care about people it's more that like it's really difficult for me to understand what people are doing when they're not around like i don't have that sort of like insight into how people live their lives when i'm not near them yeah and so when it's so final like the death of somebody and there's just nothing there's no way to to get that connection back mm-hmm. um to continue to build upon it yeah it it almost just seemed like something like after that i could connect to it yeah um but i don't know it's it's weird so 
even though there are like these clear ties to your family through this, I get the feeling that this is an this is a creative pursuit that really feels like it is your own. Yeah, I don't know. Like it just doesn't um like what you're kind of getting into makes me feel like there's um like we're kind of getting into the sort of idea of like legacy or continuing on somebody else's endeavors, you know, like uh mm-hmm. like kind of like the idea of like taking over for the family business or something. Well, I don't like think something... you're like taking up the mantle. You know what I mean? Like right. that's not what it feels like that you're picking out that you're like somebody's passed you the torch and now it's your job to do this thing. Right. I think it's one of those things like when I think about my when I think about my talent mm-hmm. that there are certain things that like I know where it came from and I'm aware of that yeah. and I don't feel obligated as a result, but I do recognize the lineage of it. Interesting. I guess I just don't think of things that way. Mm-hmm. Like it feels very much like a, a personal thing that oh, yeah. like I can see what you mean as far as like there's some sort of genetic disposition. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like you're the one that's cultivated it, that yeah. you have like you put your own spin on it. It's your own creative expression. It's something about you. Like um, I feel the I don't know. I kind of feel that about everybody. Like it, it never really strikes me to attribute like somebody's creative skill or their not even just creative, just like their their abilities back to the people that came before them. Yeah, that's interesting to me. And maybe it's just a, a result of how we were raised. Yeah. I don't even like I don't want to assume this. It would be interesting. I it would be interesting to explore though. I wonder if it has anything to do with gender. Um I don't I'm not inclined to say that it is, but it would be sure. interesting for me to like explore that notion to speak with other women who have um genetic related talent yeah. to say like are you keenly aware of where this comes from when you do this. Hmm. Yeah, that was something like with my family a lot where it's like we talked a lot about where where the talent came from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that just might be how my family is. But it is something that I just like, I I find very fascinating about you. The kind of photos that you take, the love for black and white and high contrast and like that specific point of view that you have Mm -hmm. um i think it's just even if it is uh partially a result of your genetic disposition as you said like (laughs) i do think it is uniquely your own yeah um and i love that part of you i think it's really great and something that i admire quite a bit thank you yeah um so would you say that you really love it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I don't think there's, like, it's one of my favorite things. Yeah. It's it's one of the, my favorite ways to express myself. And yeah. I f- feel like I've created a pretty distinct voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, it's, it's funny that I mentioned that, that I think that's something that in everything that I do creatively, my goal is to have something that feels uniquely me. Yeah. Um, whether it's through photography or writing or sort of just the the natural voice that I have, like my speaking voice feels mm-hmm. very the much. The literal voice. <laughs> yeah. The literal voice yeah. feels very much my own. Um, mm-hmm. And you like having those things that you can claim. Yeah. That you can pridefully take ownership of. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That they don't just come to you, that they are a result of effort and positioning. Um, or your unique thought process. I think it comes down to more like yeah, how I th- uh, how I think about that. Uh, I don't know that. Um, I don't know that my writing style or my photography style feels particularly deliberate. Like it doesn't. Like I never feel like I'm going out of my way to like write a certain way or take a certain type of photograph. It just that's how I think of things. Like that's, that's how just I, your perspective coming to life. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's interesting, though, that at the same time you can recognize that you are unique, which goes back to, like, the Myers-Briggs conversation we had a few weeks back. Yeah. Of you feeling 
and noticing your difference. And I'm glad that this difference, this creative difference, is something that definitively feels good. Yeah, it does, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Even though, like, like we've seen with everything, that there's always some complication wrapped up yeah. in there. I think that that's something I was hoping we would get to actually soon. Today is perfect because, like, I've been thinking about it a lot and talking with people about it a lot. Yeah. In the vein of this show. Because this is a positivity podcast. That's how we market it. That's the goal of it. And we certainly do talk about things about which we feel passionately and ultimately positively. But in the course of doing this show, even in just like the few short episodes that we've had, this is episode five, Mm -hmm. it has become clear to me, not surprisingly, but more and more clear to me that positivity and joy and happiness and passion are not superficial feelings, shallow, one-sided, you know, single-layer kind mm-hmm. of feelings. That they're the things about which we feel so positively, the things that bring us so much joy, are far too integrated into the history of who we are to be purely happy. Yeah. And I love that. I think that so often we talk about how being happy is the goal. That's how you should be. That is the expectation. And I think that does a disservice to what happiness really is. I think it simplifies it far too much. And so I'm really glad that we've been able to explore even just a handful of things that articulate and shine a light on that idea. The things that bring you the most joy are going to be complicated. It definitely scratches a niche that I have. I like to think about what I'm feeling, but why it's important. Yeah. And so it's like the, I think it is funny that our goal initially was to just kind of like, like it almost felt like we were kind of going to this like, cool, we're going to be like silly and goofy and like it's going to be a fun thing and it's going to feel like cotton candy and it's, you know, going to, it's going to taste good. It's mm-hmm. going to, you know, make you feel good for a second and it's then gonna go down real easy. Yeah. Um, and then it dissipates. Mm-hmm. Like you have some candy, it's good for a second, then it's done. And I have had so much more fun talking about the things like talking about the things even the things that could be fluffier like when we talk about something like god of war it could very much just be like video game fun this goodbye like that's it press buttons do stuff yeah like and so it's like yeah just playing a game having fun but i love this exploration of why Mm -hmm. it makes it feel so much more substantial and like you know we I think we've brought this up already where it's like this, the complexity there is so much more interesting to me mm-hmm. than just saying, this is a thing that I love. This yeah. is cool. Bye. How much do you love is the initial question. The exploration afterwards is what makes this an enjoyable creative endeavor for me. Agreed. So I guess I hope that this feels good for people to listen to that they still feel ultimately positively about it that they can hear the passion and the love for these things and connect to that love and i hope that if it doesn't if you don't already do this naturally that you can think about the things you love and why you love them yeah um and like give it a go yeah really connect to that and like please share those things with us yeah, I know we say in our outro, like DM about the stuff, uh, DM us about the stuff that you love. But I really like, I would challenge people to dig deep mm-hmm. and just say like, you know what? You know, if you love football, if football is your thing, why is it your thing? Right. You know, what's the, what's the drive? And to be unabashedly, unapologetically loving of something. Mm-hmm. Because while football might not be something that I'm drawn toward, 
I think that there can be plenty of articulated reasons for somebody to love that. Yep. Um, profound and deep and human and understandable. And so I hope that you were able to embrace those things that you love and explore and understand them better. So, Keenan, I really appreciate you kind of going on this journey with me as I asked you some kind of complicated questions about your love for photography. Mm-hmm. But it taught me a lot about you, and so I really appreciate it. Thank you for asking such a great question. I had a a fun time discussing this. I'm really glad that you enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. Special thanks to Jackson Davis, whose song, Same As You Wanted, is our intro and outro music. Check out his EP, 701, anywhere you listen to music. You can get in touch with us through our website, thismuchlove.com, and via Twitter, at thismuchlove. Our DMs are open. Tell us about something you love. You're such a cutie. No, I'm a person. I'm not a Clementine. Because they're called cuties. No, I know. (laughs) I just like that we probably just found our episode title. I'm not a Clementine. (laughs)